Dear friends in Christ, welcome to this podcast from All Saints Episcopal Church in Portland. All Saints is a loving, welcoming parish serving Southeast Portland for over a century. Our purpose is to celebrate God's love, seek and serve Christ in all persons, and go forth into the world rejoicing in the power of the Spirit. Today, we invite you to join the Reverend Andrea Skornick as she preaches the gospel and explores the mysteries of God in our modern world. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Mother of us all, Amen. What does being blessed look like? Is it what we see in magazines and on TV? Images of money, fame, power, or achievement? Or is it something more modest? Having a decent job, being healthy, being able to provide for one's family, or good times we share with people we care about? When asked what being blessed looks like, we probably all have different things that come to mind for us. But whatever that is, it probably does not include things like illness, or an overdrafted bank account, or being on the receiving end of hurtful words and actions. Mm. Yet this is the unlikely thesis that Jesus gives in our passage today. In his famous teaching known as the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus has just launched his public ministry. He has been telling everyone God's kingdom is here, and so now he's filling out what that kingdom is all about. A version of this same sermon is found in other Gospels, but note how Matthew in particular sets the stage. In his Gospel, which is thought to be to a predominantly Jewish audience, he presents Jesus as a new Moses. Like at the beginning of his gospel, Jesus escapes death as a baby when an evil tyrant declares all of the baby boys will be killed. For Jesus, it was Herod, for Moses, Pharaoh. Or in this teaching, Jesus gives five discourses, not unlike how the first five books of the Bible, also called the Pentateuch, were attributed to Moses. Or like how one of the first things that Jesus did was to go and declare God's desire for liberation for everyone, just as Moses did with the people of Israel. And like Moses, who delivers the commands from Mount Sinai, Jesus <laughs> delivers his inaugural teaching from the Mount. To understand the significance of this teaching, it's also important to know who Jesus's audience is, who he was talking to that day. Right before this passage, it says that Jesus was talking to his disciples, his inner circle, but also to the crowds who were listening in. And it says they were the sick, the suffering, the afflicted, the demon-possessed, and those who cared for all of them. In other words, this was people who needed help. And by most standards, this group probably looked a bit pathetic. 
not exactly the people you were going to start a movement with. And then, of course, there's what they came expecting to hear. In the ancient world, often the emphasis of religious teaching was on what you do to get or earn or keep divine blessing. It's similar to what many people go to religion or self-help for today, wanting to know how to be happy, how to live a good life. But if that's what they had in mind, what Jesus actually said would have come as a complete shock. <laughs> because what he essentially says to this group who were on the outside, he looks at them and says, you are blessed. I imagine them looking behind to see who he was actually talking to. <laughs> Me? But that's exactly what Jesus says. He says, Blessed are the sick, the poor, the grieving, the persecuted. Blessed are the pure in heart standing in solidarity with them, the peacemaking, justice-seeking ones who are there in hopes for a better world, the kingdom he was talking about. Announcing God's blessing on this group of people was a reversal of the usual hierarchies of status, privilege, and prestige. The good news was coming first to the last and the least. Like in the Magnificat, it is the lowly who are being lifted up. It's not that those who are doing well are excluded from the kingdom, but they already have what they need. The lowly being lifted up is a way of bringing equity and access for all. What Jesus is saying is good news and invitation for everyone, but it is coming to the ones who need it most first. Jesus was also challenging conventional wisdom that equates prosperity with divine favor. That idea of blessedness that typically comes to mind. And he's saying that is not how it works. And by declaring blessedness at the outset, he is making clear this is not instruction on how to get, keep, or earn God's blessing. It is not a how-to manual, more like it's a, congratulations, you are already here. We can see this grammatically, and that the tense is in the indicative and not the imperative, so it's not in the command form. He's not saying go out and do these things to be blessed, but describing what is already the case. In other words, you are blessed. It is already a given. God's favor is all over the place and not just in the places we would expect. So with that in mind, the discourses that follow this section, many of which do include instructions on how to live, these all can be seen as a response to the blessing. Because the blessing is an unearned gift, we then get to respond with gratitude and joy. And in looking at the Jesus-Moses parallels, this helps give us a renewed sense of what was happening with Moses and the commands that he gave. But this, Moses does give the commands to the people, the ones that we're familiar with, but this also comes after the pronouncement of a divine blessing that was made in Genesis. So then likewise, the commands are not instructions on how to get the blessing, 
but they are the response. How we live together in response to the blessing already given to us. As the Salt Commentary this week said, God's blessings are already among us, surprising and counterintuitive, gracious and undeserved, world-turning and beautiful. And we are called to live lives that are responsive to those blessings at every turn. As the great preacher and scholar Fred Craddock once put it, when it comes to divine blessings, our lives are to be lived, uh, our lives are to be lived because of such blessing, not in order to acquire it. And that's only possible, after all, if blessing comes first. What Jesus said is indeed good news, but perhaps still it's easier to affirm on one of our good days. How can Jesus say that we are blessed in our worst moments? The crowd that day might have been thinking, how can he say this about us? But this is what he's saying. The truth that he is giving all of us to wrestle with, which is, you are blessed. Not based on anything external, on anything that is subject to change. It is nothing that can be taken away from you. You are blessed because God loves you. God is with you. God is in you. And from the very start, God looked at you and said, this is good. When we know that in our core, in the deepest part of who we are, the hard times will be different. Hard, but not held alone. And through it, as Jesus says, we will see God. What does being blessed look like? Look in the mirror. Look at the face of your neighbor, of strangers. The faces on the pictures that we brought in for our celebration today. Look at the canonized saints, the everyday saints, the ones who wouldn't qualify as saints in a million years. You are blessed just because God said so, unconditionally and eternally. And when you know that as your deepest truth, the blessings are everywhere. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast offering from All Saints Episcopal Church in Portland. For more resources from All Saints, or to support this or our many other outreach ministries, please visit allsaintspdx.org.